AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to Church of the Week program. My name is Marcus Burgos. I am your host and it is my honor to be with you today for these next 25 minutes. And you know, I, I try to bring something to you every every program that I think would encourage you as well as challenge you. And I'm reading in, still in the Old Testament. I, I love the Old Testament. I'm an Old Testament kind of guy. But I was reading between Deuteronomy and reading between Joshua and all these this journey of the people, and, and I love it. And I came across uh, in the middle of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, and Caleb is coming to Joshua, and he says one thing that just blew me out of the water. And Caleb now, being an older man, being in the promised land, uh, he tells Joshua one thing. He says, Joshua, remember. Remember what God said through the servant Moses. I'm reading Joshua chapter 14, uh, verse 6. Does he remember what, what God told Moses? Remember the word that Moses brought to us way back when, before we got into the promised land, while we were still back there in the struggle. Remember when we were still raising our kids and remember when we were still working two jobs and trying to make ends meet. Remember what God said. And I want to challenge you with that. Many of you know the story of Caleb and Joshua and what he was asking for. And it's very popular. He asked for the mountain. Let me go fight for the mountain. But I want to, before we get there, I want to remind you to remember God's word, that you would keep it and guard it in your heart. And you would never forget what God told you. Never forget that word. I don't know how long ago it was. If you were a teenager, if you were preteen, if, if it was six months ago. But remember what God told you and do what Caleb did. Hold on to it and keep on fighting for it and don't let it go. God said in his word as he does that, that you are, you are healed by his stripes. Then hold on to that word. If he promised you peace and joy, then hold on to that word. Every promise of God, the Bible tells us, is yea and amen. And so let's hold on to the word of God. Don't let it go. Don't give it away. And don't let anyone steal it for sure. So keep your faith and your hope alive by remembering the word of God. Amen. Uh, I'm in the studio today with, with a young man. And uh, he is pastoring here in San Antonio. And uh, his name is Homer. Uh, your last name is Hargrove. That's right. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, Homer Hargrove. And the name of the church, and wait till you get this. We're going to talk about the name of the church. This is, this is a great name. Uh, the name of the church is Grave Top Church. So, Homer, Pastor Homer, thank you for coming. Welcome to AM630, the Word Church of the Week. I'm really glad to be here. It's an honor. <laughs> so, before we get anywhere, I usually start with uh, talking about you, the pastor, and asking you about your, about your past and your testimony. But I think we gotta, we gotta touch Gravetop. Uh, why Gravetop? Where did that name come from? Tell me, tell me about that story. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, that's usually the first thing people ask too. Um, it, it's a, it's really a double-sided coin. Uh, and the intention of the name is, is also to invoke 
uh, conversation to provoke people. Um, usually if it's a believer, it provokes them to say, why would anyone do that? Uh, for unbelievers, it provokes them to even just be curious, like, why would they do that? Is that a normal church? And the, the answer is two-sided. First is the side of our doctrine and our belief. And that is, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. And in and, First and Corinthians, it tells us that Paul says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, all of our faith is useless. It's the foundation of our faith. And what I've found is that uh, when I ask Christians why they believe in God, why they believe in Jesus, why they call themselves a Christian, no one ever says because they believe Jesus rose from the dead. It's either my life has been really good or my life has been really bad. And those circumstantial things always change. Uh, if your life has been really good, it's you're about to enter some caca. If your life has been really bad, it will probably turn around. But Jesus resurrecting, that is something that will never change. It's a point of history. Even if the Bible was never written, it would still be true because it was something that happened in our history, in our life, uh, in our world. And so it's simply because we believe Jesus stands on top of the grave. The other side to it is a personal moment. Jesus didn't just die on the cross and resurrect from the dead to make us bad people into good people. We were dead in our sins, and now we are alive in Christ. And so it's to remind us that we're not just supposed to be pretty Christians, but that we're supposed to be living life and living it abundantly in power. Wow. That's my favorite part of the answer. <laughs> and I was, I, I was writing it down because I wanted to make sure you touched that because we, we, we tend to believe that. We tend to believe that I was, I was, I was bad, now I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus rose. He died, and he, you know, he rose again. Uh, but really, it was dead to life. The change is much. It's much greater than bad to good. Yeah, is dead to life. Is is darkness to to light. It's 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 a much. It's much. It's so much more stronger than just bad to good. Because in reality, the Bible tells us our righteousness is as filthy rags. Exactly. We, we are not good. Uh, the best thing about you, the best thing about me is Jesus Christ in me. That's it's right. It's not my abilities or my talents or, or my great smile. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so I'm, I'm glad we touched that. And I, I think now I think that's a great name. Uh, <laughs> because when I, when I heard about Grave Top, I, I thought, hmm. You know, my eyebrow went. I was like, "Wait a minute, what kind of <laughs> what kind of church is this?" But uh, I, I'm sold. I, I I like it, and I and I hope that people, I hope that strategy works, and it, and it does trigger the question because that's a great answer, and and the gospel uh, sometimes one of the strategies for preaching the gospel is you know is getting them lost. Yeah, reminding people that they need a savior and they need saving. And once they do, then you have the answer. We have the answer, which is the good news. Uh, so tell me now a little bit about yourself. Tell me, are, are you a PK? Uh, are you from San Antonio? Uh, tell me a little bit about, about your story. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not a PK. In fact, I wasn't really raised in church at all. Um, never went to church growing up. Uh, parents never went to church. Family never went to church. It was not something with my family. Um, I did. I was born in San Antonio. My parents uh, moved around a lot. Uh, I'm a one out of six siblings. All of my brothers and sisters are half. Um, and uh, growing up, uh, moving around nearly every year. Uh, I mo- lived in San Antonio, Del Rio, in the Valley, in McAllen. 
um, even in Florida, Pensacola, Florida, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so just a lot of moving around. Uh, everyone always asked me if my parents were military. Not at all. They just, I guess, were renters and <laughs> were kept looking for a new opportunity. And, um, and so I went to four different elementaries, three different, uh, two different middle schools, three different high schools. I lost all school spirit uh, early on. <laughs> um, and uh, my, uh, my story was just uh, really far away from God. Um, I always, I don't think there's ever a part in my life where, uh, I was an atheist. Um, to me, it just made sense of a creator. It, uh, it seemed more peculiar to, to think that we came from nothing. Uh, but I still lived a really, uh, crazy lifestyle. Uh, when I, when I was in San Antonio, um, in my, when I was in high school, uh, that's where I think it was after my parents' divorce, uh, living, uh, my dad and I moved back to San Antonio and it was just a really ugly divorce, really, um, uh, family kind of just fell apart. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that close to begin with. So it was just a lot of dysfunctions and I turned to, uh, drugs, alcohol, um, even crime and violence at a young age. Uh, I found myself, um, in San Antonio, I was torn uh, at one point of whether to ju- join a group of Sedinos or a group of Crips. And uh, I felt really proud of myself then because for the Sedinos, you had to be Mexican to join. And I was white. And they're like, right. well, you're crazy enough. We'll make an exception for you. <laughs> uh, so I, I put that like a, a mark on my myself. Um, but I was just uh, really into to violence, crime. I was very extremist whenever I first tried something i i did it way too much mm-hmm. first time i drank i started drinking every day first time i popped pills started doing it every day and it so on and so forth yeah. um same thing for for crime for violence for fighting uh, and it just got out of hand um until uh when i was about 17 um i started that's when i had my come to god moment yeah so so tell me about that because the tendency i've i've seen this exceptional people Right, they do, whatever they do, they do it exceptionally well. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do bad, you do it very well. <laughs> but then, when these people uh, give their life to Christ, uh, the tendency is to to go all in as mm-hmm. well. And so, tell me about your conversion moment. How how was that, and and how has your life been since? Uh, yeah, it was in late 2009 uh, that I and I always. I'm hesitant in how I share this part because um, when I'm sharing it with uh, unbelievers, I I hold back some pieces so that it doesn't weird them out. But uh, since we're among believers here, yes. I'll share the full <laughs> full scope. Um, I started uh, being in all that I was in. I started having just a lot of demonic oppression. Mm. Um, I thought I was developing schizophrenia. I'd close my eyes at night, hear screaming in my ear, um, audible screaming. I was and I was like a young thug at the time, so I thought, and I was getting afraid of the dark. Um, I was literally at school afraid to go to sleep that night, um, not knowing how I was going to make it another night because I was getting terrified. Um, I had a really superstitious sister who told me, if you leave the Bible open to Palm 23, it'll keep demons away. And to I'll, Palm to Palm, Yeah, <laughs> Palm 23. Um, and I had never opened a Bible, read a Bible, and I was like, there's books of the Bible. <laughs> I thought it was just one, you know, yeah. book. Like, uh, and so I ended up um, by happenstance finding uh, a bo- a Bible and a box of things my had mo- my mom had sent me. 
Um, she didn't even remember putting it in there. And it was this old King James uh, study Bible, a Moody study Bible. And the book bookmark happened to be on Psalm 23. I opened it and it was the first scripture I had ever read in my life. Wow. Um, and it just totally um, gave me peace when I read it. You know, the verses just really, <laughs> really stood out to me. Though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil. And I was like, well, I, I'm totally afraid of evil right now. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I just, that night, I just sat on the floor and I just started reading through Psalms. And I left the Bible open, like she said, to Psalm 23. And that was the first night I was able to sleep peacefully without being terrified or having any instances. From there, I started just reading the Bible consistently. I would wake up early on Sundays and that was my, you know, I knew that that was like a church day. And so I'd wake up early, uh, smoke some weed and then read the Bible. (laughs) And, uh, and sure enough, even in my, uh, in that state, God just continued to work on my heart. And I thought I was still going crazy because the Holy Spirit was asking me different questions. And I was like, I'm definitely have schizophrenia now. (laughs) And one day it was just, uh, do you think this is good for you? And, you know, God just kind of led me in this phase to where uh, just really repenting. And it was all before I ever stepped into a church, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God just started purging me um, as I started reading the Bible from front to back. So your sister was kind of right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She was superstitious. But here's the interesting thing that that I'm finding as I'm hearing this is God will use whatever. Oh, yeah. To to get you in. You know, we're the ones that put the rules and the regulations and you can't do this and you can't get saved this way. You got to come to church and you got to raise your hand and repeat these exact words, you know. But in reality, God's love has no boundaries. Yeah. Uh, How would would you now uh, maybe talk to someone today that is going through something similar, has been through something similar and and – doesn't doesn't have a, a, a way out. How how would you in in what God has done in your life? How would you talk to them today? Won't you go ahead and share that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's really that's about all the people in our church, um, and and it's really talking to God yourself. So many times we we want a pastor to talk to God for us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I always urge people to just have a conversation with Him yourself, and I share. Um, even when the scripture where Jesus talks to the woman at the well, he says, God is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. And I said, he's just looking for you to want to connect with him and be authentic about it. And he doesn't desire a pretty prayer. He doesn't desire for us to even be perfect or eat, let alone to even repent before coming to him. In fact, I believe that the Holy Spirit starts the repentant process for us, that once we learn how the kindness of God is what draws us to repentance. And um, and with all that, I believe searching for God, connecting with him, but one part that's tremendously overlooked is connecting with church family. Community and connection is the purpose of church, and usually people just use church for the message, which I'm a preacher. I like when people like my messages, but that is like 20% of what church is about. The The rest is all connection, uh, having community being transparent with one another, walking together. And if you're not connected and you're trying to find breakthrough, it's going to be a really brutal process. You know, I've, I've always thought the most important ministering happens after service. Definitely. You know, we, we, we try to use the fellowship area a lot more 
than the sanctuary area. I mean, we use the sanctuary. We worship and we mm-hmm. preach and we do all of that. That's that's very important. But also is the, you know, sharing a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, and, and being able to talk and being able to listen. And so community at church is is key. And that's something that that I think the church has really lost in these in these days. Yeah. Uh, I I thought that once COVID was behind us, the churches would be flooded because it was a good there was a good amount of time that we were right. We were away. We were not allowed, you know, to meet. Uh, but that that has not been the case everywhere, you know. Yeah. We're having we got it's kind of like we got used to watching church in our PJs, yeah. And we're and so we are missing that community. We're missing that that uh you know the koinonia like we that like we like to say. Uh, we're missing that that fellowship is the word. Uh, and so we we haven't got that back, but that's a, such an important piece. Yeah. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit now, uh, Pastor about. Your, you know, you told us about your conversion. It's a powerful testimony. Now about your decision to get into ministry. Yeah. <laughs> how, how was that? Why did you make that decision? Uh, you know, it, it seemed almost like happenstance. Um, I, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I prayed at the dining room table that I'd read the Bible at, and I said, God, I want to bring other sheep with me. Um, I just felt like I had found uh, – I looked everywhere else to find – what I was looking for. And once I tried God, I didn't need anything else. And I just felt like there's so many people that needed to learn or know about this truth. And it was, I didn't even know that, uh, that that was the job of a pastor or a minister or anything. But, um, I just kind of started to my process of really building my faith. Uh, I went to a ministry school, uh, and late in August, 2010, and it was a high-intense ministry school. Uh, they had a boot camp and everything. They're actually going through legal trouble now because of the, uh, boot, camp. the boot camps and a lot of other um, claims of abuse. <laughs> but uh, it was really intense, though. Um, there was We would do clubs five days a week in middle schools and high schools. And this whole time, I thought I was just building my faith. Um, and by the end of it, I, I told the, the leader I had at the time, the mentor, um, that I was going to just move back to San Antonio and join, you know, try to join the fire department. And he said, why don't you go back to your church and try to help lead? And I said, oh, they don't need me there. I'm a nobody. And he just told me I should go back, that they need me. And I was like, I guess. <laughs> and um, I, I, went, I went to that internship. Um, one person out of dozens that would go from our old home church. And uh, by just a couple years, I ended up being the only one at that church still while everyone else either moved away or stopped going to church altogether. And they made me the youth pastor, I think, just because I kept showing up to move chairs. <laughs> um, eventually, I was the one that, you know, after director, after director, they were like, well, this guy keeps showing up. I guess we'll give him a shot. And um, that's really, you know, just kind of preparing my heart for um, to minister to others and then uh, showing up for the ordinary things is kind of how I fell into being a pastor. As far as starting our church, um, what it is now, we, me and my wife do a 21-day fast every year. In mm-hmm. 2016, the day after our 21-day fast, um, felt like God called us to, told me to move back to San Antonio and start a church. 
And I said, you're going to have to tell my wife about this because she's not, <laughs> not going to want to do this. You're going to have to break the news to her. <laughs> yeah. I said, if she says, okay, then this must be God. Yeah. And when I told her, she lit up, said, I feel really good about this. Said, oh, shoot. I'm really going to have to. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> You should have put a higher, a higher bar. Yeah, <laughs> well, I did. I then, then I said we're gonna have to. Well, you're gonna have to tell the senior pastor, and then he gave the green light. Said, well, you're gonna have to tell the associate pastor too, <laughs> and he gave the green light. So it became pretty clear. <laughs> so where where was this? Where were you at when you were getting all these green lights? Uh, that was in Del Rio, Texas. Ah, uh, okay, Del Rio, Texas, border town to Ciudad Acuna. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Been there. I know. I know some pastors over there. Uh, and so now you leave uh, Del Rio with your with your wife. I know you have at least three children yeah. by now, right? <laughs> so did you have children then? We did not have children then. Uh, we got pregnant. Uh, we've had it was a long journey for our uh, kids. Okay. We uh, we were trying for three years. We had two miscarriages, and um, finally we had our baby girl Joy. Uh, her name's Joy Love, wow. and. Uh, and we we were so excited and ecstatic, and we thought, well, it took three years. Surely, you know, we have some time to think about when we want to have another kid. And before we even had a chance to think about it, we were pregnant again. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's <laughs> like, going on? Oh, this is good. This is good. And her name is Jules Mercy. And then we were trying not to have kids, and then quarantine happened. And uh, I don't know if it was our Netflix expired or what, but we got pregnant again, and and now we have Homer the fourth, and uh, all right, we, and we have three kids, all uh, all up to three, three under three. And so, if there's anyone out there that needs to pray for us, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, you, if you have uh, some extra prayer time, yeah, desperate times right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's excellent. And you have a beautiful family. And uh, uh, about the church now. Um, let's get to the church. Where are you guys located? What time are your services? And uh, tell me, tell me about about the church. Yeah, definitely. The address is fifty seven thirty Kenwick Street, and zip code seven eight two three eight. It's right off of I ten and uh, or sorry four ten in Bandera, um, kind of entering into Leon Valley area. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and it's right off of the highway. Um, and uh, our our times we start service at 1045 that's kind of like when we open the doors uh, in a sense and our message starts at 11 o'clock and so we have 15 minutes specifically for people to arrive get coffee and to connect with one another Um, we really try to advocate talking (laughs) to each other and we do things a little bit different as well Um, we we start right with the message um, and we, the reason we do that, we have the message first, and then we have a time of worship. And then after the time of worship, we actually have a time to share feedback. Uh, we start with the message rather than worship. Um, traditionally, it's believed because we have worship to prepare the room with the presence of God. Uh, well, I, we pray for that. Um, yeah. And what I find is that there's I've seen grown men at the beginning of worship either show up late or just st- uh, stand because their wife made them with their arms crossed. After the message... And they have that little bit of tiny worship at the end. Uh, I've seen those same men go up crying to the altar. Mm. What I find is that the Word of God softens our hearts, and the worship is not a tool but an ex- uh, an experience to have with God. And so we want people to engage in worship rather than to use worship as a tool. And we find that it works really great for our church. Um, after the Word, people uh, connecting in worship like that. And then the feedback questions we have at the end, 
uh, I think is nerve-wracking for everybody because it's a time where we, we really just stop and we ask what people thought about the message, how it related to them, um, how, how it could make a difference in their life. And the reason we do that is because we believe when you share your faith, it str- not only strengthens your faith, but it strengthens the faith of those around you. And so often we're just fed information, never given a chance to share it ourselves. We never practice our faith. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many Christians uh, end up abandoning their faith because they never got a chance to practice it. You know, Pastor Homer, I, I love this conversation. I love what I'm hearing uh, as, a, as a pastor myself. Uh, I love what you're saying. I'm, I'm okay with change. I'm usually not okay with why, you know. And so uh, you being able to explain to me uh, the reason why you would do church backwards, yeah. right? <laughs> because tradition says we should do it this way, right? Uh, but you're you're breaking away from tradition, and and the reason behind it, I think, is a great reason. I think you have thought through your your decisions of 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 why you would do that and uh and and it makes sense i think that comes from a, a heart of trying to to reach people so i congratulate you on that on on having the faith and the bravery to to be able to 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 make those changes and and i think that your church is going to grow i think that your heart is is going to i w- i would be surprised if your heart did not come out to your congregation and and they go there because of your heart and so uh, you're, you're a man of God, and I appreciate you, and and a young man, and uh, and this is uh, this is awesome, and uh, I I hope, and I'm going to be praying for for your church, and so uh, San Antonio, thank you so much for listening, Pastor Homer, thank you so much for being with us, and go to church, San Antonio. God bless. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM six thirty The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.